Hey, this is Corey Wong. If you are interested in guitar players, if you're interested in artists and how they think, why they create, what it is that motivates them to create, come check out my podcast, Wong Notes Podcast, where I get to interview some of my absolute heroes, people like John Mayer, Niall Rogers, Jacob Collier, Madison Cunningham, Benson, Vi, Santana, Satriani, Lukather, Matheny. Oh, the names are insane icons of the guitar, icons of artistry and creativity. I absolutely love sitting down with these musicians and getting to ask them about their creative process and get into the details of why they do what they do. Check it out, Wong Notes. Listen now, wherever you get podcasts. Welcome back to our, our second episode uh, of Chasing Frets this week. Um, as you heard on Monday, uh, we had the great Gretchen Men, and I was joined uh, by Joe Gore, and he's back again. Yeah, hi. And yeah, I'm certainly enjoying talking with Gretchen. She's a smart, thoughtful player with a lot of interesting things to say. Yeah, and today's topic is kind of her story, her backstory as far as how she joined Zepparella, which is her very successful Led Zeppelin tribute band. And it was just a real interesting story to hear because her kind of uh, journey there kind of also paralleled just the general how she got started playing in rock bands. And she has a lot of interesting insight in, into Jimmy Page's playing and also, in a way, Angus Young. Yeah, absolutely. And um, aside from that, I mean, she has good advice about you know, playing in cover bands and studying and learning material and, um, you know, what parameters should remain 100% faithful and which parameters can wiggle a little bit. But um, there's some interesting insights into the way that she studies and practices. Um, and she talks about some other cases where she does, you know, deep dives into a particular player. And uh, she has a very ambitious, very deep concept of study. And... Uh, she has interesting interesting things to say about simply the process of you know diving deep into something that you're uh, learning for the first time. And if you stick around till the end, she gives you. Uh, I put her on the spot and made her name uh, not her three necessarily favorite Zeppelin tracks, but the ones that she kind of got the most out of studying in her preparation for the Zeppelin gig. So make sure to stay around, stick around to the end for that. Um, yeah, it's in, and they're surprising. They're interesting choices. It's not going to be what you expect. Yeah, Stairway to Heaven did not make the cut. That's for sure. Um, so uh, stick with us this week. Uh, we'll be back on Friday with another episode with Gretchen. As always, you can reach us at chasingfrets at premierguitar.com. So right now, let's uh, throw it right to our conversation with Gretchen Men. everybody. We're here once again with Gretchen Men and Joe Gore. Welcome back, guys. Thanks for having me. Gretchen, I first kind of came came aware of you through Zepparella, which is kind of your Led Zeppelin tribute band. Can you tell me a little about how you uh, kind of started that and developed it and, and where it's going today? Okay, yeah, sure. Um, so Zepparella was not my idea. Uh, that was Clementine, the drummer. And I met Clementine in really the first professional band I ever played in, which was an ACDC tribute band. And that was right as I had kind of made the decision, like, I got to 
get on stage, I need to play electric guitar instead of just going right back to school and studying more classical guitar. And so my criteria for the band I was looking for is I wanted to play lead guitar in a rock band and something that required me to have some sort of stage presence because I was a total shoegazer. And <laughs> they, and so this thing came up, somebody like recommended me and it was like, hey, do you want to be Agnes Young in an ACDC tribute band? And I'm like, well, check, check, check. Yes. Oh, and what was the, what was the name of the AC? The tribute band, because I, I love hearing how creative women, when it's like an all-female tribute band, how creative they get with the names. How's the ACD she for you? That's a good one, yeah. Yeah, yeah. So um, so I met Clementine because she was the drummer of that band, and um, we kind of hit it off um, by just both being really serious about music. She had a metal band she was playing in, so ACD she was something we really loved. It was super fun band to play in, but it was one aspect of sort of a larger part of our musical lives. And I think we really connected on that. And then there were, it was, I think something happened when um, we were offered a tour to open for Reverend Horton Heat and the other girls were like, they just, they didn't want to do it. It was going to be too long. They had other stuff to do. And Clementine and I were so heartbroken that she was like, you know, I've always wanted to start like a, a Led Zeppelin tribute band just so we could like, you know, like play some of these other gigs and I love Led Zeppelin even more than I love ACDC. And I was like, would you let me audition for that? Cause I was as green as green could be. Like at this point I had been in ACDC for like a year. I'd been playing in rock bands for a year. So I was by no means qualified, but she took a risk with me and knew that I would work hard. And she was like, okay, our first gigs in eight weeks, here's 15 Led Zeppelin songs to learn. So <laughs> I locked myself in a room and practiced nothing but Led Zeppelin and was probably painfully bad my first few years in the band. <laughs> what, what was your level of fandom of Led Zeppelin before joining them? I, I loved Led Zeppelin. I'm, I've mm. always sought out music from all different eras. I was very weird in high school. I was the only person I can say with pretty good confidence who was listening to Django Reinhardt in high school. I was also listening to Pearl Jam and to Nirvana and, you know, uh, all sorts of different things. But I, um, I had gotten into like Joe Sacciani and Steve Vai. And then I think I'd seen an article where it was about Steve Morse and it was, it started, I wish I could find the article, but it said something like, more oh oh and Eric Johnson was obviously another favorite but it compared Steve Morse to all of these guys and it said something like you know more aggressive than Eric Johnson more musically spacious than Joe Satriani more I forget what the adjective was uh than than Steve Vai Steve Morse is blah 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 and I was immediately irate because I was like who is this dude and how dare they compare him to my three favorite dudes and so I went to the show and immediately then went and bought like every Steve Morse band album. And he's probably like my most long-term um, and enduring influence at this point. Um, Was that something you wrote, Joe? No, I've never, actually, I've never met Steve <laughs> in all those years. Really? Well, oh, this, this like, might be an interesting, you know, this might be an interesting point to mention that um, uh, Gretchen has an unusual background in that she's, she's a guitar magazine kid. Oh, yeah. Uh, well... I was, yeah. But tell, us, was, well, tell, tell folks about what yeah. your dad used to do. So my dad was, when I was growing up, was the editor well, and worked at Guitar Player Magazine. Now, a lot of people have such a hard time believing that he didn't shove a guitar in my hands. But 
he's not like that. If you know my dad, he all he ever wanted was his kids just to grow up to be happy and to f- have their dreams be fulfilled. Like he would not have cared what I had done as long as it wasn't something like, you know, really awful to humanity or something. Um, but uh, it was like kind of when I started getting into guitar music, which is, I'm sorry, I diverted from your original question. Like in high school, I was listening to all sorts of different things. My friends were like, hey, check this out. And hey, here's Led Zeppelin. And when I started getting into that is he was like, why are you listening to Led Zeppelin? He's like, that's like my generation's music. And I'm like, well, cause it's awesome. And what do you know? And he was like, do you know that I know a little bit about this stuff? And it was because he had left guitar player magazine before I had gotten interested in guitar particularly, but obviously still had the knowledge and still had the record collection. And so he was like, okay, you like these guys? here's Johnny Winter, here's Jeff Beck, here's, you know, here's Django Reinhardt. He was the one who introduced me to Django Reinhardt. So um, he was a wealth of information when I kind of got into it on my own. But for the longest time as a kid, I just thought of my dad as a writer. He, he's, he plays some guitar. He's got a, a good ear, but like he never, never played professionally. He didn't really play very much like around the house when we were growing up. It was more like there was like a guitar in the corner. And, and and full disclosure, he was one of the guys who hired me for my first guitar magazine gig. And uh, Don Mann is, is so a cool. really cool guy, beloved by all who worked with him. Oh, Great dude. Oh, I love hearing that. I love hearing that. He is a good dude. He's a very good dude. I'm so what was, so you're locking yourself in your bedroom <clears throat> with these uh, Led Zeppelin songs. Did you have a method, like a systematic method of learning all these or was it simply just osmosis i'm just gonna repeat it and listen and listen and play you mean like on guitar like for the zephyrella um no i mean i was i had to be very organized i had eight weeks to learn and these weren't like these weren't all songs like houses of the holy that's you know pretty repetitive and you know it's like okay we're gonna do the lemon song we're gonna do heartbreaker we're gonna do since i've been loving you like we're gonna do black dog you know so things that anybody who ever underestimates Led Zeppelin, go ahead and actually tell me if you know the structure of cashmere. We, we have implemented a no one sits in on cashmere because everybody swears they know that song and nobody knows the structure. Everybody gets it wrong. Um, so there's, it isn't, even though it's not um, outside of the realm of what would be considered kind of uh, normal level technical abilities on the guitar, what, what makes it at the time it was out of my ability to play. So I was trying to play stuff that had never been required of me. I had to learn how to play slide a little bit, you know, for songs like what is and what should never be. And eventually when the levee breaks and in my time of dying was later on. Um, but uh, there's so many things that you have to be able to do with Zeppelin that the, the palette is so large, you know, it isn't like, I mean, I love ACDC mind you that's some of my favorite music and was so much fun to play. But um, it's, it's kind like of straight its down thing. the middle. Yeah, it's, like, it's its thing, right? Yeah. Jimmy's all over the place. You know, mm-hmm. his dynamic range, his expressive range is so huge. And so, yeah, I sat in a room and I had a list and I wrote down what are going to be the really hard songs, what are going to be the semi-hard songs, and what are going to be the easier songs. So songs like Houses of the Holy and What Is and What Should Never Be, I, I had those as like, I'm not as scared of these. Whereas like Since I've Been Loving You and Heartbreaker and the Lemon Song were ones that <clears> I was like... <throat> oh man, these are going to take me a while. So I kind of divided them all up and I kept to a really strict practice regime and I just uh, went all in. And 
you know, like well, I said, was probably terrible the first couple of years. <laughs> well, obviously, it worked for nailing the job in Zeparella, and mm. it's been an exp- extraordinarily successful uh, project. But aside from that, you know, what did the experience of immersing yourself so deeply in the minutiae of one uh, particular player bring to what you did when you weren't imitating Jimmy Page? Mm, that's such a great question. Uh, I think one of the things that I like most and I notice most about Jimmy is I feel unlike most other guitar players, he has a, his view is so much wider than the fretboard. I think it's very easy for guitar players to be very guitar-centric. And I think he's like one of the least guitar-centric guitar players. You know, the writing is he's so focused clearly on the writing and the production. He thinks it seems like more like a composer and like a producer. So he might kind of slap a solo on a piece that's weird or quirky or maybe kind of unremarkable, but maybe it's like the coolest riff ever, or maybe that kick drum sound is just insane uh, or the arrangement. And I think, for me, being the opposite, being very detail-oriented, you know, coming from this classical background, um, it challenged me to to get outside of that surgical precision that I think was certainly enhanced by a classical background and say, if I'm going to do Jimmy justice, I can't be too surgical about it, you know? There's a certain amount of looseness you have to even if you know the note, even if you've learned the solo note for note, there's a certain, or the riff note for note, there's a certain amount of looseness that you have to preserve, like consciously preserve. Yeah. Exactly. In, you know. Exactly. And, and I, I have found now having done this for, for a while that, that I always have to check myself to not over practice Zeppelin. I have to be able to play it and I have to know, like, I have to remember the solos and be ready to deal with you know, pretty large catalog of, of music that is more of a memorization task than most other kind of rock-based music. Led Zeppelin's just quirky in that respect. Can't take anything for granted. Um, but that I can't approach it the way I approach, you know, my own stuff or, you know, classical guitar, or it kind of takes some of the the spirit out of it. You know, part of what's exciting about Zeppelin is Jimmy just kind of going for it, you know, and it's all sort of falling together, but barely holding on, you know, that's part of what's exciting about it. How much uh, on an, when you're playing a Zeparella gig, how are you playing the solos note for note, or is there room here and there for improvisation? Good question. Okay. So, um, I, I learn pretty much, I'm pretty diligent about learning everything really, really strictly. Now within that, we will, the way I see it is our improvisations are all extra credit improvisations. So, for example, I have a theremin, although I don't usually bring it to shows just because the schedule we've been keeping is so insane until recently, um, that just having another thing to set up and sound check, you know, ended up kind of just being too much in certain certain cases. And, and having that trust in the sound guy so that when I go over to this theremin and start waving my hands around that I don't look like a maniac that, that this, he actually remembers to turn it on. So what we do is in, uh, in songs where there is clearly an improvisation, uh, we'll improvise there, but I'll so, so like whole lot of love, 
that's that whole theremin section. We'll do a jam, which is what Zeppelin did live all the time, right? All sorts of crazy stuff. But then when it comes to those licks, I play those exactly as I, as I can, I play them as well as I can hear them. Um, and same thing with like songs like Dazed and Confused. Like I learned all the stuff from the recorded version, but then I'll, I'll extend the bow solo uh, based on things Jimmy did live, um, based on some of my own stuff. So I'll kind of do what everybody wants to hear, but then stretch it out the way Jimmy did with some improvisation and maybe some references to memorable things he did. Mm-hmm. So it's always a little bit different, but I try to, to never um, uh, disappoint people's expectations because I'm a fan first, you know, it's like, there's certain things like I want to hear. And, and I think it, it means a lot as a listener of music you like to when somebody shows they're not phoning it in, when somebody shows like, no, I paid attention to that little detail, that thing that you love that you listen for. I heard it too. And here you go. Where do you guys uh, at when it, I know you guys have done some recording and stuff. So when you're in a tribute band, how do you kind of balance, you know, obviously authentically learning the songs, but yet putting your own, putting out some kind of creative audio output there instead of just rehashing note for note what's on the record? Oh man, you know, I got to tell you, if it were up to us, we wouldn't do recordings. We still don't understand why people want us to do recordings. It's like these albums were made perfectly. Zephyrell is a live band. Um, but for some reason, it's like people were so insistent. Um, I say that like it's the whole world. People who come to our shows were so insistent that we do it um, that we thought, okay, but the reason we can't do it very much is it's really expensive to license Zeppelin songs. And our, our, our motto has always been like, let's not piss off our heroes. So we try to be above board with everything and, um, and it's, it, we don't make any money off the recordings. I mean, I think, yeah. I don't know if Warner Chapel does either, but, um, but I know we pay a lot to do it. <laughs> um, yeah. I don't see why we should be recording, honestly, not, not Zeppelin, but I guess some people get attached to it. A lot of people didn't get the opportunity to see Zeppelin and they've become attached to, and they never will. Right. Um, and they've become attached to the way we do it. And it's really sweet. I'm certainly flattered. They want to hear me doing Zeppelin. <laughs> it was done perfectly the first time, but. Are there, are there examples of other, have you ever done that sort of deep dive into either a specific player or a specific genre of music when it wasn't for the immediate goal of passing the audition? Have you ever kind of you know, uh, yeah. elected to do deep study on a topic or a player? Uh, that's yes, that's a great question. Um, never as deep as I would like. Um, the ones that I have really sat down and kind of learned, learned um, some Steve Moore stuff, which will always totally kick my butt because I don't want, you know, of course, I'm like, let's learn too many notes, you yeah. know, which if you guys know that tune, it's just like, it's like a picking exercise of doom. It um, seems like a, a lot of his riffs are. <laughs> they really are. Yeah. yeah. Man, what a player. Um, Learned some Eric Johnson. Um, I I did kind of a deep dive into some uh, Richie Blackmore, like Deep Purple stuff. I did actually a few few of the videos I did very kind of offhandedly for YouTube was because I was doing um, a Deep Purple rock fantasy camp and I'd never done one before and I just assumed that I was going to have to do things to the level I did in Zapparella. So I learned like every single 
like note for note, like tried to figure out like if the fingerings were right, all of that stuff. And I put those on, on YouTube and they ended up like one of them, like I think the Highway Star Solo has like, I don't even look at it anymore because it's like you get too many views and the trolling becomes horrible. <laughs> um, but um, so I did a deep dive into Richie Blackmore for a number of those, um, which I love. I, like one of the things that I hadn't realized was how much, um, how kind of refined the Smoke on the Water solo is. Everybody, mm. you know, we all think about that riff that's so bombastic. And the Smoke on the Water solo has a very kind of subtle, I don't know, it, it's, it, it, just, it just surprised me as to how kind of subtle it was. Um, which was fun. Um, Jeff Beck, there, you know, I've definitely tried to pathetically learn some of his stuff, man. You just, there are a few people who can sound like Jeff Beck who aren't Jeff Beck, but not very many. Not many. No. <laughs> um, uh, the other thing, the, probably the weirdest one I did is I, um, I, I sat down and I wanted to learn some gypsy jazz stuff because uh, Django I've been listening to as long as I've been listening to Led Zeppelin and it was after a project, a big project had kind of wrapped up. I don't remember, it's maybe an album or a big gig or something that I've been focusing all my energy toward. And I had that thing that sometimes I get where I'm a little bit lost. Like, what do I do now? And I thought, okay, I'm going to do something that's just fun as like a reset. And I'm like, I'm going to learn some like Django licks. You know, I hadn't really set out to learn the whole song, or like a song or anything. Just like, let me try to get some of this vocabulary in my, under my fingers. And so um, I decided to learn like the first chorus of minor swing and then I had so much fun, but, um, it's that I learned the second one and then all of it. And then I was like, maybe I can learn the Grappelli part too. So I learned the, the Stefan Grappelli part. And then I thought, um, I just gotten this amazing acoustic guitar from Steven Strom and I had been meaning to do some sort of like video to showcase the guitar. And I thought, well, isn't it better just to let the music do the talking? And so I was like, I'm just going to, I've got it under my fingers. I'm just going to go record it. So I recorded it and then shot a video for it. So I've got a minor, my, my own version of minor swing that is super not authentic gypsy jazz, but, um, the, but I love the, it. The, the, the Grappelli point is interesting because again, we mentioned this a little bit in the first episode. Uh, your, your very new album is a very ambitious composition that features a lot of guitar. Uh, based on Dante's Inferno, called Abandon All Hope. And you, throughout the record, the guitar is cast in counterpoint with um, the first violinist. I'm sorry, I'm spacing out the violinist's name. Uh, it's hard to say. It's Glauco Bertagni. Okay. Uh, he's an Italian guy. And he's amazing. And we talked about Eric Johnson and having the slightly violinistic uh attack that that he got and that that you nailed so well but aside from the tone production i hear a lot of things in that piece that sound like they might have come might have been inspired by things in the violin repertoire not the not the usual shred guitar repertoire very very possibly i mean i I certainly listen to probably more uh classical romantic and 20th century music than i do listen to shred guitar i mean there's obviously amazing shred guitar players but as um, i find myself gravitating more towards the kind of more composed orchestral or chamber or ensembles all right gretchen to wrap up i'm going to put you on the spot as we all know the 
the most well-known of the Led Zeppelin riff catalog. But if you were to point to three songs that somebody could learn to have the, to give them a deeper appreciation of Jimmy Page, mm. what would they be? Oh, that's such a great question, and I've never been asked that. The Rover. Mm. I think that's a sleeper. Great, yeah. a, it's a great one. Um, I love the Wanton song as well. All right, one more. And No Quarter. There you go. Oh, but now I'm thinking of so many others. Oh, we got to stick with the first three. Okay, okay first cut three. me off. So that's everybody's homework, those three Zeppelin songs. And, uh, you know, Professor Men will will be grading <laughs> at the end of the quarter. So so thanks again, Joe. Thanks again, Gretchen. We're going to have her back one more time this week. And uh, thanks again for tuning in, everybody. Thank thanks, you guys. Uh, lovely interview, Gretchen. Take care. Oh, such a pleasure.